Yeah, I'm back. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. The podcast talking local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio area sports. Listen on your favorite podcast platforms by visiting cindaypod.com. That's C-I-N-D-A-Y-P-O-D.com. Intro theme is Overdrive by Matrika from Upbeat.io. Here's your host, Lee W. Mowen. It's been a while, podcast listeners. Over two months now. Two months and two days since I released the last episode talking Bengals football. Well, you might know I was on the radio for a little over three months. And then I had that taken away from me. I won't really go into great details why, but I still think it's a load of crap. But, you know, you do you, I guess. So, yeah, I guess I'm back here. And and I miss the fact that it felt like people actually listened to the radio show that I helped co-host. And, (laughs) yeah, whereas this, I think I got about 50 listens per episode, even though this is quite better than the other station in town, which by the way, if you all noticed that he's become the Q Annan of the Cleveland Browns, <laughs> he liked a tweet of mine. I won't say who it is, but if you know, <clears throat> kind of, uh, yeah, you, you know, he liked a tweet of mine saying that they missed a holding call, which they did. And yeah, kind of radio silence from him on that 23 to 10 loss. So I guess that would be a great, place to start the Bengals yeah beating the Browns which uh sorry Browns you lost your own Super Bowl too bad so sad uh don't have a sexual abuser as a quarterback and have your offensive lineman saying oh it's okay and then him get the award uh for what is it the best man on the team yeah yeah best man right all he knows how to do is hold And luckily, he got caught with that (laughs) in the half I was able to watch for I had my own things. So the Bengals, they outgained the Browns total net yards 363 to 344. Only committed four penalties where the Browns committed nine. Oh, my God. The refs were against the Browns. Oh, my God. Someone panic. (laughs) 98 yards. One of those was a 33-yard pass interference one on against Jamar Chase. And the Browns had the ball for nearly four minutes longer. But Joe Burrow doing Joe Burrow things. Two touchdowns, one pick. It was tipped. I think most of his interceptions have been tipped. Most, not all. 18 of 33, 239 yards. It was a rough first quarter. But, hey, great players are able to bounce back and get it rolling eventually. You know what I mean? The guy that thinks it's okay to sexually abuse 30-some masseusers. 26 of 42, 276 yards, one touchdown, one pick. That's his first touchdown as a Cleveland Brown, and his suspension should have been longer than 11 games. But, hey, you're not here for a political stance on this podcast. You're here for Cincinnati and Dayton sports, which, you know, I used to bring to you on radio, but uh, I got pushed off because of reasons I won't go on here. Can you believe it? And no, it wasn't anything that I said or anything I checked. It's not because of me. But there you go. 
Uh, Rushing-wise, Joe Mixon, 96 yards on his return, no touchdowns. P. Ryan, four rushes, 22 yards, one touchdown. And through the air, Jamar Chase, 119 yards, one touchdown, 10 catches. And Trenton Irwin, two catches, 58 yards, one touchdown. You got to remember, this is a game where the Bengals didn't have Hayden Hurst, but it was well known at that point. Didn't have Tyler Boyd because he dislocated a finger. He's considered day-to-day. And T. Higgins battling a hamstring injury. And he tried it for, I think, one or two plays and just couldn't, which, you know, one, uh, excuse me, that's uh, Trent Williams. Why am I looking at the wrong player? I don't know. Uh, In case you're wondering, the other side, Donovan Peoples-Jones, 114 yards, eight catches. Njoku, one touchdown, 59 yards, seven catches. Rushing-wise, and I'm very proud of the Bengals for this, Chubb, 34 yards, 14 rushes. Watson, six keeps, 33 yards. He's got his feet moving. Good for him, I guess. I don't really care. And Hunt, four rushes, six yards. Yeah, Cleveland, they have one of the best tandems and running backs in the NFL. And to see them combine for 40 yards, plus Watson's 33 for 73 yards. Yeah, there's a reason why you guys are not good. This year, and don't say it's because oh the refs screwed us. Uh, uh, uh. The the refs were wearing Bengals colors. Shut up. Seriously, seriously. Yeah, I may notice that there was a misholding call, but I didn't blame it all on the refs. So you know, but that's why the other stations' ratings are point five, and that's acceptable. If I was Alpha Media. Yeah, that wouldn't be acceptable, but I'm not alpha media. I'm a guy of a podcast that's pretty angry right now, actually. Uh, but anyway, Bengals tied with Baltimore, nine and four record. Currently, both teams are six and three. Bengals have won five straight longest winning stretch in the league. And inside the division, the Ravens are a perfect three and oh. They knocked off Pittsburgh as 16-14 to keep pace with the Bengals. And Cincinnati is now two and three. They lost the first three to Pittsburgh at home, Baltimore on the road, Cleveland on the road, but then have one at Pittsburgh, one at home against Cleveland, and still have Baltimore coming into Cincinnati. Ravens are dealing with a lot of injuries. The biggest one, of course, is Lamar Jackson. It might be a couple weeks before he returns. I think he'll be back before the Bengals game. But... Fifth place in the AFC playoff race, meaning that's one of the wildcard spots, one of three. But I like how this Bengals team has been playing. This is a team that everything's starting to click. And yeah, five straight wins, including last week's win against Kansas City. I mean, 3-0 with Burrow against the Chiefs. And I know Browns fans are going to be like, well, we're 4-1 against Burrow. (laughs) You guys are irrelevant. And your one playoff win was against a decimated Pittsburgh team that looked old, ancient, and quite frankly, crappy. But you don't want to talk about that. When's the last time you guys hit the Super Bowl? (laughs) You guys are pathetic. How long is it before you run out? One of the best coaches you've had since the team returned to Cleveland. (laughs) You guys are so pathetic. But yet, tell me how Cleveland's the better team, Wing. Tell me how the Browns are better than the Bengals. Nine and four Bengals, five and eight Browns. 
<laughs> oh, by the way, the net points, because you care more about numbers. Bengals plus 70. That's best in the AFC North. And having a quick peek, it is 16 back of Kansas City. That offense has been just potent. And Buffalo, a whopping 132 plus. So, hey, third, that ain't bad. And in case you're wondering that that mistake by the lake, negative 23. Which, I mean, that that's not terrible. It's not great, but hey, you're not Houston at 103. Which, by the way, tell me that Deshaun Watson's back against 111 and 1 Houston. <laughs> he didn't even score a touchdown. It was all the defense and special teams. But go ahead and tell me how he's such... Oh, my God. You know, at this point, I'm not even hiding my bias. <laughs> let's talk about that team in Columbus. No, no, that's not. That's what wing is for. That's all they know. So Bengals in their stride at the right time. I really like their chances. Maybe not for an AFC North title. I, it just really depends how Baltimore plays. And even without Lamar Jackson, that's a stout defense. That's a pretty good offense. I mean, yeah, Greg Roman. I mean, there's been a couple times he's gone conservative where he shouldn't have, but still, that's a respectable team, and I can't wait for that rematch coming up. Bengals hit the road for the last two road games, Tampa Bay this Sunday, and then next week, New England. It'll be really interesting facing Tom Brady this upcoming Sunday and then facing off against you know, Tom Brady's old team in Mac Jones and the Patriots. Patriots' defense is pretty good. However, last night's Monday Night Football went over Arizona, yeah, they lost a lot of pieces. So, then again, Arizona did too. They lost Kyler Murray, and they're thinking it's not good. So, there you go. There's a little Bengals talk. Uh, who day? Cincinnati. And, man, this future is really bright. I, I, I know I constantly think about, you know, the day where we're going to have to pay Joe Burrow what he's worth. He's going to get a big contract. He should. He's Joe Burr. Jamar Chase. I mean, you're going to have to figure out wide receivers two and three, Jesse Bates, of course, which I saw someone and I'm kicking myself right now because I don't remember who, but they said that you might have to let Bates go to let the rest of the players survive. And uh, I hate it because Jesse Bates is a really good locker room culture guy, but I, I don't know. This is back to back years where we put him on the franchise tag. He held out for a few weeks, luckily not, you know, into the season like, you know, some other players have. And man, I, I, I know that's topic for the future. I should be talking about the nine and four Bengals, five straight wins and a couple good wins in there against Kansas City. The win at Tennessee. I mean, yeah, this Bengals team is clicking at the right time. Can you, I, I like to ask Bengals fans seriously. Did you expect this meteor me, meteor rise? I don't know. I don't know why I was trying to say this meteor rise to being one of the best teams in football with Joe Burr like this quick. Man, it's just, and we have an offensive line. I mean, since Cleveland sacked Joe Burrow five times on Halloween, uh, the offensive line hasn't let up more than two. And Cleveland had a couple, but they were wiped out with penalties. So, <laughs> but yeah, the offensive line doing its job. I mean, Joe Burrow. He looks like an elite quarterback with a good line. Who would have figured that? Answer me and you because you're smart. And you know about football. So that's your Bengals scoop as we head on to another Cincinnati classic.
I'm talking that skyline, chilly, crosstown shootout. Not to be confused with the crosstown showdown, which is high school football. And yes, sometimes I feel like I get those two mixed up because it's so it's so closely named. Why? But from Saturday, Xavier winning their fourth straight against Cincinnati, 80 to 77. And you think, oh, wow, if you didn't pay attention to it, if you didn't listen to radio or go to, I believe it was at UC. Yeah, it was at uh, Fifth Third Arena. If you didn't go, you didn't pay attention to it, you might, you know, think, hey, close game. About time it's a close game. Well, it was 41 to 24 Musketeers at the half. Cincinnati would have a 53-39 second half advantage, but not enough to take the win. And this article is from GoXavier.com from the athletic staff of the Xavier Musketeers. Talking about Xavier going to 7-3 and three and Cincinnati dropping to 6-4. and four. Yeah, college basketball season is one of my favorite seasons just because we got we got six D1 schools in the Sinday area. Yes, I'm counting Northern Kentucky in there because they're right across the river. And if you ask the Cleveland Browns fan, Cincinnati's in Kentucky. And then I say, go study a globe because you're an idiot. Xavier led as many as 17 points at halftime before the Bearcats battle back to tie it with 11 seconds left in regulation. Cincinnati hit 62.5% of its shot attempts in the second half to engineer the comeback effort, but it was not enough to knock off the Musketeers at Fifth Third Arena. You know, just crazy to think about that this almost was wiped out because of that big fight all those years ago. I'm trying to think who was all part of that fight. I think True Holloway was on the Xavier team. Uh, JP Makura, which he was one of my favorite players just because he was so good getting underneath everyone's skin. And just, you don't have a lot of that. Yes, I know. I, I like Cincinnati and Xavier. Sue me. I'm the most evil man on the planet. But, yeah, I mean, just look, just looking at what Xavier had. As no, that is not me going to the Cincinnati Bearcats website to look at that article. But, uh, you know, you do you. You know, just being able to shoot nearly 63% for that second half. I mean, what if they shot that in the first half, too? I mean, we're talking about a different game. We might be talking about a tie. I don't know. But, and yes, we will be talking about the football team for the Bearcats soon. Which actually I didn't talk about in the podcast. Yeah, I've I missed a lot because I saved it for radio, and now I don't have that because you know reasons. <sighs> yeah, I'm I'm still bitter about that. I'm not going to get into it. I don't want to be that classless jerk that just drags under everyone under the mud because that's not me. Although that's what I've been doing today. So you know, poop or get off the pot, I guess. So. Just we'll, we'll go over the individual stuff. Sole Boom of Xavier, 21 points, a team high, six of 12 shooting to go along with six boards, three assists, and two steals. The guard was also two for four from behind the arc. And from the three throw line, seven to nine. That's very good. 20 or more points in the game five times this season for Sole Boom. And a little bit more about him because that's a name I haven't really recognized yet. Oakland, California native, and he's a graduate student. His Twitter is buckets for sale underscore. I like that name. Holy crap. I like that name a lot. And he came over from UTEP, which is University of Texas, El Paso. Paso? El Paso. Yeah. Paso. Sorry. 
Kobe Jones finished with 15 points, 5 of 10 shooting, matches season high in rebounds with 7, also had 4 assists, 2 steals. And I haven't listened to a Xavier game on radio yet, so if I make a pronunciation mistake, I do apologize. Jack Nungy, 18 points, 8 of 16 shooting, his 8th double-figure game of the season. And his college career, 1,014 points. Also, three rebounds, one steal for the forward. Zach Fremantile, 14 points, 12 rebounds for a double-double. His fourth of the season for Xavier. Also, three assists, two steals. And Xavier went and shot 20 of 32, which is 45.2%. And from beyond the arc, 8 of 23. Three-throw line, 16 of 21. That's pretty good. Also, points off turnovers, 21 to 14 going Xavier's way. Two more points in the paint than Cincinnati at 36-34. And also three more second chance points at 10 to 7. Like I said, I love the Crosstown showdown. Yes, double checking to make sure that is shootout. Dang it, I messed up. Showdowns for high school football. <laughs> Why can't I get that right? Oh, wait, I do when it's game time. Sorry. So for Cincinnati's side... Mike Adams-Woods has season-high six assists for a second straight game. Victor Locken was six for nine from the field. Also, second-best shooting percentage in the AAC at 67%. David DeJulius had 22 points, his fifth game of 20-plus points this year, but also UC's first loss in such games. He's had 17 games where he's got 20-plus. Bearcats, very good from the line. 16 of 18, season best. And now the series is UC 51, Xavier 39, but four straight for the Navy, Blue, and White. So what's up next? Well, Xavier gets Southern and the Jaguars. Cincinnati gets Miami University against Travis Steele. Trying to think. Travis Steele, how long was he at Xavier? It's four straight wins, so he was there for a few years. Right? Uh, my timeline's all messed up. I think the Bearcats have won one against Steel. I think it was his first year, but then didn't after that. But there you go. Yeah, I'm glad the Crosstown Showdown's still a thing. UC and Xavier, there's such a hated rivalry there. And yeah, you can make, you know, your statement that, well, it splits up the city. Well, I mean, isn't that what rival fan base is supposed to do? They all love Cincinnati, so... Yeah, here's hoping that Xavier and Cincinnati play each other. Be nice if it happened up here in Dayton, but I'm not seeing it anytime soon. In fact, I don't think Wright State Miami play each other anymore, which is should be a federal crime against humanity. You know, because Miami and Wright State, well, Wright State got its beginnings from Miami University's Dayton campus, and that team in Columbus had a Dayton campus, and then Wright State broke off. And there you go. There's that. I'm going to double check to make sure that is correct. Wright State's not playing Miami this year. Five and five Raiders. They lost two big Rising League games. And now they've lost three in a row. I forgot they played at Western Kentucky. 64-60. I was at hockey, so that's why. Nope, I'm wrong. They play later in the month at Miami at Millette Hall on Thursday, December 22nd. And that'll be the last. Uh, non-conference game for the Raiders before Horizon League play ramps up. And of course, the first one back in the Horizon League play is Northern Kentucky at Northern Kentucky 
a Thursday for some reason. And then at IUPUI, and I know it's because there's odd amount of teams in the Horizon League. So I get that point. But still, yeah, it'd be nice to see how the Raiders square up with the Norse. But hopefully, you know, we're not going back and losing 89 or 80 to 59 against Robert Morris and 88, 77 against Youngstown State. The Youngstown State loss doesn't bother me. The Robert Morris one does. And it's because of the fact that Robert Morris has struggled since entering the Horizon League. They were the big fish in the Northeast Conference. In the Horizon League, they've been kind of disappointing on the hard court. Eh, just a little bit. And they dominated that game. The Colonials did. Absolutely dominated. So I can't really, you know, give them too much crap. It's just what that game is like, really? And I forgot, uh, former Dayton Flyer Dwayne Cohill is now a Penguin. And he went off with like 41 points. And then a lot of non-Right State fans went off on the broadcaster saying, old man yells at cloud, lol. I mean, he did miss his shot, got a rebound, then dunked it. But it's like, look, stop him if you're obviously that much. That's just me, though. What's up next for the Raiders? They're at the James A. Rhodes Arena. Really? Akron's? Basketball gyms named that? I had no idea. That's one of the previous Ohio governors. And that'll be Wednesday the 14th at 7 against the Akron Sips on the road. Back home this Saturday the 17th against NAIA Northwestern Ohio. It is Youth Sports Day. It's a 3 o'clock tip and there's Wright State socks available for the fans. And because... Actually, we mentioned Miami first. We'll come back to Dayton. I promise... I'm not like a sports talk host in town that hates Dayton because oh my God, I didn't go there. I talk about Dayton Flyers fairly. Miami is four and five. This is the first year for Travis Steele, and they got off to a one and four start. Their only win was against Goshen College of Indiana, which I believe is NAIA, might be Division Three, And that was at Millette Hall. Since then... A win against Little Rock, 80-67. A win against Jackson State, 95-78. A loss to Indiana State, good mid-major foe, uh, 88-61. And then beating Calumet College of St. Joseph, Indiana. Yeah, that's the first. I, I, it popped up on my phone where I was going to get ready to do my assignment with flight prep. And I was like, what, what is this college? Calumet College of St. Joseph, Indiana. Let's pull it up. The Crimson Wave, if anyone cares. 85-49 Miami won that. So they've won three of the last four. And yes, you can make the argument, well, they probably should win against Little Rock, Jackson State, and a team you never heard of, Lee. Yeah, but hey, wins are wins. You bit off that. So what are you guys? Calumet College of St. Joseph, NAIA. Okay. In Whiting, Indiana. Off of New York Avenue. I see. So there you go. I learned a little bit something about something. Also, their gym kind of reminds me of Miami Middletowns, and I miss that place. But up next for Miami, they're at Cincinnati and then at Bellarmine at the Freedom Hall. I was about to say Yum Center. That's not correct. Speaking of which, freaking A, Louisville's winless still? What's that about? And maybe it wasn't. Coach Mac, that was Chris Mac, the problem. I was about to call him Charlie Mac. What is wrong with me? The answer, lots. And now the Dayton Flyers, because I promised. Six and five. 
They had a tough bad boy mowers battle for Atlantis. Some of these are just ridiculous. The names, the bad boy mowers battle for Atlantis. Yeah. Remember when bad boy mowers battled the Atlantis army for Atlantis? No, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just a ridiculous name. They went 0-3. They won their next two against Western Michigan and Southeastern Louisiana but then fell at Virginia Tech by a big margin. Their first true road game, the Flyers, since 2016. That's the crazy part. I swear they played road games before, but a lot of the home slate is bringing teams into UD Arena. And then beating UNC Asheville 79-56. Up next for the Dayton Flyers, they're heading to Chicago at the United Center to take on Wyoming. Why, 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 why is that? It's not a, it doesn't say it's a tournament. That is weird. Then back home to end the year against Alcorn State. I believe that's the last non-conference tilt. And then A-10 play against Duquesne. And to close out the year 2022 at Davidson at the Belk Arena. Yeah, there's been a lot of injuries I've heard the Flyers. And that's some of the big reasons why. But, you know, I still believe in Anthony Grant. That guy is an incredible head coach. We have a lot of great coaches in the area. I think Travis Steele will bounce back nicely and improve that, you know. I don't want to say Xavier was unjust in firing him, but the big thing is you got to win in Big East play, and he he would have some big games, and then he just lose the ones like, what? You, you lost that game, really? The Butler team that's that really hasn't been too relevant the past few years. So, and I guess NKU, because we're talking about all the men's basketball division one teams, I was looking forward to talking about this on radio, but uh, again, nah, so whatever, let's look at, I always forget sports is not the first option on this website. Why is that Norfolk, Kentucky five and five Norse and league play two and oh. Their two league games were against Youngstown State. They won it 77-73. And then beat Robert Morris 60-56. And I'm just looking like, why why did we lose to Robert Morris? Youngstown State, I could have handled because Youngstown State is a pretty good team. If I said that in college, I would have laughed myself out of the building because they kind of weren't. But, you know, Coach Calhoun, he's done a great job. So, does that say Norselodian? Oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's is, that is awesome. As a right state alum, I know I'm going to jail because I actually like something Norfolk, Kentucky did, but that is cool. They're coming off a 68-47 loss at Pac-12 member Washington State. Back home Wednesday against Eastern Kentucky for the canned food drive sponsored by Kroger. Free future ticket with a canned good donation. So, you know me, I always like, you know, recommending hey you can you know donate to any canned food drive because there's a lot of people out there that are struggling yours truly um for example because past few months have been oh let's just say terrible but that's neither here nor there i don't want anyone to worry about me so and then the next game sunday at two because that's a normal time especially when the well the Bengals are playing the late afternoon game. So I guess that's fine against Miami university, Hamilton, not even Miami. U, just the branch, one of the branch campuses of Miami. Why, 
Why is that allowed? I get mad when Wright State schedules non-D1 foes, but come on. Why is why is that such a thing that's allowed? And I know people were chewing me up on the Facebook page. Ohio State sucks because I was, you know, ripping into that team in Columbus's uh, schedule because uh, Youngstown State, Western Kentucky, you're not even playing FBS teams. You're just playing FCS because, oh, well, they're good. It's like the same fans that tell me, oh, well, we beat the MAC champs Toledo. The MAC does not prepare you for Georgia. Hopefully Georgia wins by a billion trillion to shut them up once and for all until August. <sighs> yeah. And also I was labeled a hater because how dare I not like Ohio State? Sorry, I have no connection with Ohio State. I have nothing against Ohio State. But uh, the fans that, you know, constantly threaten me and, you know, call me names because I don't root for that team in Columbus. Yeah, that's why. So if you don't like it, go yell at them. Not me. And maybe once in a while, you know, listen to local sports and not just what that team in Columbus did against, you know, blind and deaf you or something like that. That's the perfect time to put my phone on there. But, oh, some sad news. Mississippi State football coach Mike Leach just died at 61. Known for the air raid offense, he led 17 bold teams in 21 years. He's a great football coach, and that's very sad. I'm sorry to the Leach family for their loss. Anyway, I was on a tangent about not liking that team in Columbus. You shouldn't either, but you do you. And up next... A new ad from Better Edge. Better Edge is the premier no-fee social betting marketplace. Better Edge allows users to create their own prices and lines for sports betting positions in 45 states. And yes, that does include Ohio. They're often better than you can find anywhere else. You can use the code SINDAYPOD, C-I-N-D-A-Y-P-O-D, at sign up to get $20 in your wallet when you verify your account just for listening to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast on the Better Edge app. Visit betteredge.com slash Pod to get started today. That's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com slash Pod. And one thing to note, Better Edge is available right now, but traditional sportsbook apps won't be available in Ohio until the turn of the new year, January 1st. So, yeah, it's just something that popped up in my email. And keep in mind, I had one episode in the past four months so thank you to Better Edge. You can now listen to it. The link is available on my website, sendaypod.com. Go listen to Better Edge. And if that's something you like, you can get $20 off when you verify your profile. Gambling problem? Please, please find help. And after the ad, it's time to talk about Bearcats football. You know, it's funny to think that a 9-3 and record is a disappointment. But that's just the job that Luke Fickle has done with the Bearcats as he has taken a new job and has left for Wisconsin to be the head coach of the Badgers. Coach Fickle, thank you for everything you did. I was hoping you would stick it out for the Bearcats first year in the Big 12. But I understand some, you know, some jobs are worth jumping at the first opportunity. So thank you for everything. And man, I really hope we continue this big role that you helped us. And thank you for getting us out of the dark era of Tommy Tupperville, who is still in the U.S. Senate. But we're not getting political here. If you want to go argue at a brick wall, I don't care what side you're on. Go argue with a brick wall. 
And then don't listen to Wayne. Bearcats 9-3. and three. They finished 6-2 and two in the AAC, coming off their first home loss in quite some time to Tulane. And that meant the Bearcats were unable to play for the title. So now they'll get the 2022 Wasabi Fenway Bowl at Boston, Massachusetts, Fenway Park. You know, I think a baseball team plays there. Uh, the Yankees, maybe? Oh, I know. I know. I just put a target on myself for everyone from Boston, New York. It's where the Boston Red Sox play, okay? I'm not an idiot. I'm just an idiot. So this is going to be Saturday, December 17th. This Saturday? Really? Wow, we're almost halfway through the month, and I need to get my Christmas tree up. 11 a.m. on ESPN, and I can guarantee you it's probably going to be on 700 with Dan Horde. So if I'm listening to that game, I'm listening to it on radio because I don't have ESPN. And yes, it is on 700 WLW. If only I scrolled just a little bit down the page, I would have found it. So yeah, getting to play at Fenway Park. That's pretty cool. Also a little weird if you think about it because that's a baseball field. And, you know, how they fit the whole football field. I know it's from uh, back where the premium seats are you know, around home plate and then all the way to the outfield wall. I know how it happens. It's just like, who was the first person like, you know what this baseball stadium's good for? Football. Just looking at the prices here, and my God, P10. Where is P10? I'm having a good look at it, actually. So, no, I'm wrong. It's actually towards right field. So it starts off around home plate, but then goes down the right field line and then stops by the truly Terrence. Which, by the way, looking at those prices, Terrence. No, you're not going to make it easy on me. You're going to make it where I'm an idiot. Thanks. Uh, yeah, there's, there, those are some prices. My goodness. My goodness. One day I'd like to go see a game. No, I won't. I'd rather just work it. But it is against the Louisville Cardinals. I did not mention that point because that's very important. Remember when UC and Louisville were in the Big East for football? Yeah, those were good times. And Louisville, 7-5, and 4-4. And a little bit more about Louisville in a little bit. Yes, because, you know, talk about Louisville sports now. We do talk about Columbus sports. That's not that team in Columbus. But there you go. How do we get off this page? I don't want this. I want, I want news. Ah, here we go. The news that you already know, probably. And if you don't, then you will know. I mentioned Luke Fickle took the job of Wisconsin. Who's the 43rd head coach for UC? Scott Satterfield coming over from Louisville. He's not going to coach the Bearcats nor the Cardinals in the bowl game, which got respect him for that because, yeah, it could have been an easy decision, but there you go. So overall, as a head coach, 76-48 in 10 years at Louisville and Appalachian State, you might know him more for his success with App State holding a winning mark in seven seasons and also four and one in bowl games. He led the App State Mountaineers to three straight conference titles and four straight bowl appearances from 2013-2018 before taking the Louisville job in 2019. Bearcats signed Satterfield to a six-year deal pending board approval and a background check. He'll pay him three and a half million the first year with an annual raise of 100000 The assistant coach football staff as a salary pool that's been risen to seven and a quarter million, making total compensation $10.65 million per year for the football coaching staff, which is the highest investment ever. 
which it should be because, oh yeah, what's next year? Big 12 time. It's nice that we get a power five school in the area. You know, because that team in Columbus just wants schedule max schools. So no, they're not power five. They're just, they're just, yeah. So what he did in his first year at Louisville, he gave the Cardinals an 8-5 record his first season 2019. And that's coming off a 2-10 campaign in 2018. Was the ACC Coach of the Year for Louisville in 2019. Also the Sunbelt Coach of the Year for Appalachian State his last year in 2018. So, you know, looking at it, I was pretty excited because this dude has had some success. I mean, I look at it and, yeah, I think Louisville football should be, you know, stronger than 7-5. and five. And well, they beat Kentucky, who was ranked, right? Or was it Kentucky that beat Louisville that was ranked 25th? I'm trying to remember. There's a lot of Bearcats fans that were unimpressed with the hire. And it did take a while. I'm, we're talking like a week or so before UC announced after Luke Fickle took off. And yeah, that did mean we lost a few... You know, commits, which that happens when you change coaches. But and also there was a lot of people asking for the guy that was in charge of I believe the quarterbacks. And I'm now trying to think of his name. I'm probably going to butcher it because I haven't heard it. Gino Godolgi. And I know that's probably incorrect. Offensive coordinator and quarterbacks. OK, so it was half right. He's quarterbacks coach. So who's coaching the bowl game? Gary Coombs. Got back in UC after being let go from that team in Columbus. And welcome back home. This is where you belong, Cincinnati. You don't live in Columbus. You live in Cincinnati. Also, think about it, too. He was the architect that made Colerain football that dominant for the past 20-some years. So, I don't think we've heard a lot of new coaches. We had a few that jumped ship. Kerry Coombs got signed for UC for three more years, which I like. He's a Cincinnatian. So I do like that. But I'm interested to see. I'm really interested to see how Satterfield does. And my big thing is, can he recruit locally? That's the big thing. Remember Tommy Tupperville and that dark time he had? I think one winning season in three years. And not a lot of people liked him. Um, he never recruited locally, which if you know high school football in Ohio, especially Southwest Ohio, you know, that should be a crime in Hamilton County. I mean, good Lord, I can name several great football teams that should get considerable looks from UC. I'm talking Princeton, Lakota West, Colerain's got some great athletes out there. Kings, Whitten Woods, Loveland, Lebanon. I mean... Milford, I'm just naming off teams that have great athletes. Schools have great athletes. I mean, oh, I'm trying to, oh, who won the C-Mac this? Gamble Montessori, they got some great athletes. I mean, I can name all the teams in Cincinnati. Look there, start there. I'm not saying you can't recruit outside the area, but my God, it's got to start in Cincinnati and then go up to Dayton because you know what? There's a lot of great kids up in Dayton. I'm talking Springfield, Centerville, Miamisburg. 
I know I mentioned one of the two, or, yeah, one of the two teams in GWAC that missed the playoffs. But still, I like Myersburg, so there you go. Wayne, Valley View should get some looks. Clinton Massey, Wyoming and Cincinnati. That's another one I should have mentioned first. Again, I can mention all the high schools until I turn blue in the face. You got to recruit locally. And hopefully, hopefully Scott Satterfield or someone on the coaching staff will continue that. Why? Because if you let these local kids go to other schools, then you're just missing out. You know how great you can have in Cincinnati? You recruit Cincinnati kids. That means more Cincinnatians are going to buy. Guess what? You see Bearcats tickets. Hmm. Funny that. It's almost like I'm a marketing genius or something. I don't know. I will say, you know, losing Ben Bryant did hurt Evan Prater. I mean, he's a little raw with the throwing, but work-wise, he looks great. But I expect him to be ready to go for Big 12 play. I'm, I'm really, really, really excited. Actually, I'm going to look at him. He's like freaking, now he's a redshirt sophomore. So technically, he'd be his junior year. So, yeah, that's your new look at Cincinnati's football coach. They got the bowl game against Louisville. For the Battle of the Keg. And that'll be this Saturday. So now I want to talk about Dayton Flyers football because guess what? They had a coaching change. This is a program that in my lifetimes had two coaches. Mike Kelly is a great guy and now does color commentating for Flyers football with Larry Hansgen and Rick Chamberlain, who's been there for quite some time. Uh, no, Rick Chamberlain didn't get fired, so don't don't worry about that. He retired. And if you look at his career, yeah, I mean, the dude, or the coach, rather, he gave it his all. 48 years in Dayton football. 48 years. And that includes time as a player, assistant coach, and head coach. He, he's a Dayton flyer through and through. If you question that, then just leave Dayton. Just leave Dayton. I mean, this is a season where the Flyers did accomplish a lot of great things. Won its 700 game, extended a scoring streak past 500 games. It ended at 501 and missed out on the FCS playoffs by one point. If Davidson didn't play for the title, Dayton most likely would have gone in. Chamberlain won his 100th game as a head coach. He's just a third D1 coach out of 429 with 100 career wins. Isn't that crazy? Third D1 coach out of 129 with 100 career wins to play for his alma mater, immediately joining and never leave the coaching staff and then becoming the head coach. Those stories are pretty rare nowadays because, you know, there's opportunities popping up and I'm not blaming coaches for that. That's that's stupid. You know, sometimes, sometimes, there are opportunities you just can't pass up. You know, like the Godfather. You want a horse on your bed? Sure, here you go. No, I'm kidding about that. But so Chamberlain retires. His record as head coach, 107-48, which is 69% winning percentage in 14 seasons as head coach. Third in all-time wins behind Mike Kelly, who's got 246, and Harry Bojan. You might know Bojan for the soccer pitch name. 
Yes, that's where Flyer football started. Now they play at Welcome Stadium, which actually I can't wait to see all the upgrades and renovations they do. I mean, it's a long time coming for Welcome Stadium, but it's nice that Flyers football plays there along with Dayton Public Schools football or Dayton City League's football there. So named the head football coach January 23rd, 2008, 1980 UD grad and member of the Hall of Fame, 23rd head coach since the program began in 1905. And like I said, just one of now three head coaches for Flyer football in my lifetime. So Mike Kelly was there for a long time too. So who do the Flyers get as their new head football coach? Trevor Andrews. And this is a former Dayton Flyer. A former defensive back. I thought he was a safety. Oh, well, a former flyer defensive back bringing 25 years of college coaching experience back to the hilltop. I I swear I've never heard the hilltop this much. We're talking about Dayton Flyer Athletics because really most don't play at the hilltop. They play, you know, by 75 basketball, baseball, softball. I guess the ones that do play on campus technically are volleyball, soccer, Oh, I feel like I'm missing a lot. If I'm missing some, just bring it to my attention. Thanks. So this is Trevor Andrews, and the Flyers are pleased to announce him as the new football coach, A.D. Neil Sullivan said. He brings broad knowledge and seasoned football experience to our program, sharing a vision of excellence on and off the field that meets the standards of Dayton football. He's going to explore future innovative or innovative Opportunities for our football program while valuing and embracing an elite tradition he was part of as a player. So, the reason why Coach Andrews got into coaching was his experience at University of Dayton. Dave Widling, excuse me, Dave Wilding, Rick Chamberlain, and Mike Kelly showed me the way and made me want to help other young men have that kind of experience that I had playing college football at UD. He's coming over from Western Michigan, where he coached the Bronco linebackers for four seasons. And prior to that, at 18 years, he was at William and Mary, including six as the associate head coach, five as DC defensive coordinator and recruiting coordinator for nine years. He was a graduate assistant at Illinois Wesleyan in 1999, coached one season at Randolph Macon before moving on to William and Mary. So yeah, a lot of great experience. And I can't wait to see what 2023 looks like for the Flyers. It is going to be different not hearing Rick Chamberlain's name anymore. But I, I, I tell you, I mean, both coaches did a lot for Flyer football. And I think Trevor Andrews is going to do a lot for Flyer football. In case you're wondering what the previous two head coaches said, first with the Hall of Famer Mike Kelly. Coach Trevor Andrews experienced the traditions, culture, and success of Flyer football. The Dayton way is embedded in his beliefs. His walk, which is in quotes, has prepared him for the head coach position. Rick Chamberlain said he's a great hire for University of Dayton. Not only is he a flyer knows the Dayton way, he's grown into an outstanding college coach since his graduation from UD. I can't wait to see the 2023 Flyers under his leadership. So I can't wait either. I mean, Flyer football... I know uh, the big sports in town, you think Dayton Flyers, you think men's basketball, but football has its rightful place. It's been a tradition, like I said, in the early 1900s and had the longest stretch of scoring points 
until they were shut out at Butler in Indianapolis for some reason. Although in that game, there was a lot of turnovers that didn't help them. But, you know, I talked about that on radio. So, yeah, these Flyers finished 8-3, and 6-2 and two in the Pioneer Football League. And they came off a one-point loss at Davidson, which would have likely set them up for the title game because of the fact that newcomers, St. Thomas, they're called the Tommies because that's funny. They can't play for a title yet. They're in the transition era to D1. So if Dayton won that game, most likely they would have been in the playoffs. And that was a tough way to fall, too, because that was a five-game winning streak before they lost at Davidson, too. So new coach, Trevor Andrews, I mean, excellent hire. He knows Dayton Flyers football because he played there. Now he's going to lead the group of young men onto the gridiron next year. And I should also mention, if you don't know, Dayton Flyers football is not scholarship. Back in the day when it was 1A, 1AA, and 1AAA, that would be the AAA. Yeah, you can get academic scholarships, but Flyers don't offer athletics scholarships and that's the big thing of the pioneer league you can have football you just don't hand out scholarships which i know a lot of people have asked me including longtime listener matt morris he's asked me do you think Wright state will ever get towards that no no because there's a club football team and most Wright state students don't even know about that they really just follow that team in columbus and then wonder why is there nothing to do with Wright state because you're not venturing out Sorry, it's a sore subject for me. Can you tell as an alum? But there you go. So lastly, to close out the episode, hopefully I'm not missing any big things that have happened in the area. This is the 250th episode of this podcast. And I know I wanted to have some big celebration. I don't care. Like I said, I'm really pissed off the fact that I'm not on radio anymore. And it's not because I said something bad. It's not because it's disciplinary. It's because uh, I said I wouldn't say it. But you know what? Because I'm not exclusive there, which I think is a load of bull crap. And I'll tell you why. If I was exclusive, I wouldn't be able to pay the bills. You know, I have rent to take care of. I have a family I'm raising. That's right. My stepgirls live with me full time. And yeah, I need to work my tail off. And like I said, the past few months have been absolutely atrocious. And I've only gone through it by the skin of my teeth and nothing more. And no, I'm not asking for donations. No, I'm not asking people for help. I will figure it out. I always have. Which is probably why now I'm out of radio again. So, yay. So, yeah, that's the reason. I know I said I wouldn't talk about it, but it still angers me. It's like, look, I'm the best radio presence there, and I have all the experience. And I did all the research. I got most of the coaches' interviews for the football shows Saturday mornings. And I knew what I was talking about. And now I'm being told, nope. It started off with state title Saturday, which I know I should talk about the state title winners. This year, we only had four divisions covered by a local team. And wouldn't you know it, the two that won state titles, Mac schools. I, I just, it's so crazy to think how strong the Midwest Athletic Conference is in the Northern Quadrant, the Miami Valley. And by the way, congrats to Marion Local in New Bremen. New Bremen, their second title 
in the last three years, their second title overall, and Marion Local. Oh, it's only the 13th. How crazy is that? Just again. Anyway, so yeah, I'm a little disheartened on that. It probably means this podcast is coming back and then, you know, getting a big fight because I mentioned why. But uh, yeah, I was left behind. I wasn't even asked to go to Canton. I was asked to go do something in Defiance. I'm like, no, I don't really want to drive like two and a half hours up for something like that, which I know I'm turning down something there, but. I had my girls, so there we go. Yeah, I wasn't even asked to go, and I didn't miss a single Saturday show. I was there all the time, especially when I was sick with uh, the snuffles, which if you know me, anything sinus-related, it knocks me out because, yay. And I missed a few Monday shows because of prior engagements, but I still called in, and we did a rapid-fire segment. And, yeah, I wasn't even told this by the boss. So it's just like, why me? It's taken me 12 years to get on radio, 12 years to get on 980 to talk sports, and it's gone within three months. And it's not anything I said. It's not anything I did. Because guess what? I'm classy. I'm classy on the radio, not on the podcast, because anymore, you know, who's really listening to it? The answer is not a lot. But it's just, you know, I don't want to say it's not fair because I'm not that type of guy because I know things happen for a reason. And most of the things happening for reasons because I'm an idiot and I'm still trying to be a broadcaster in this damn career field and no one's, you know, wanting to help me out. I, you know, if I had a mentor, I'm sure 95% of these problems would be gone or, you know, taken care of but no no one wants to be my mentor because reasons every time i ask for critiques it's like oh you do a great job yeah and just 250th episode and i'm just you know wilting on about this stuff i'm just mad because there's a sports talk host that only talks about the browns and the buckeyes has had ratings under one for like several years was helped up by a legendary sports talk host and nobody likes him in town. Why is he still on the radio? It's just, meanwhile, I care about all the teams I cover and I'm still being shown the door because, oh, stupid reasons like that. And just... I know I talked about on this podcast, but there's times where I look back. I'm like, should I have gone to broadcasting instead of just becoming a teacher? At this point, I'm questioning if I should have went to Wright State at all, like gone to college. I know things would have changed. I don't know if I would have had a podcast. I don't know what I would have done in my life. But I, I question that. I just, I, I just question. You know, why, why bad things happen to me? I don't treat people like crap. I know this podcast episode is damning evidence against it, but I don't talk crap about people. That's not my style. And you know what? The facts I pot up, they're correct. So it's not even talking crap. It's I'm spitting facts here, as the cool kids would say, I guess. 
it's just, it's so frustrating that I have this great opportunity and then it's taken out of my hands for, you know, no fault of my own. I just, I just don't know. So my next step is I'm going to talk to iHeart directly and like, look, you know, I feel like that was a mistake on their part. How about you take advantage of the fact that I actually know sports. I actually can talk, you know, and keep a conversation by myself. And I'm, I'm a damn good sports talk host. I'm looking back on this. I haven't listened back to it. I I really can't think of a lot of times I've stuttered. I messed up, but guess what? I'm human. That happens. So, you know, get off my case if you're all about that. <clears throat> it's just, it's so frustrating trying to make a name for myself. And just every time I get closer to finally realizing my goal, something stupid happens. And we're talking about a guy that didn't get paid for broadcasting until like six years after college graduation. Yeah. And I was promised pay for a couple companies and they didn't come through. I'm looking at you, Ohio Sports Radio Network. I'm looking at you, SUV TV. You can block me on Twitter, but guess what? I have the receipts. I have the emails. You owe me money. I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do at this point. And I, I stayed off Twitter because, you know, that's become a toxic cesspool. Thanks, Elon. No, it's not just Elon. Thanks, everybody. Just people are toxic. And it's just, and plus, who cares? You know, I, I talk about this, but who cares? At the end of the day, everyone's like, oh, well, that's, that's gym practice. That's gym class. Got the reference wrong. Darn it. I'll have to redo this episode. No, I'm not doing that. Just why me? I've kept my mouth shut up until this point. And I'm just. I'm I'm just asking what what more can I do to prove that I belong in broadcasting? And you know what? There's a lot of talk on a couple of the Dayton broadcast groups I'm part of on Facebook. And there's a lot of people who complain that people don't say Dayton right. It's Dayton, not Dayton. Who's telling you to say Dayton? I mean, come on. But then again, just, like, when is it going to be my turn to actually be great? You know? I know I'm great. But when is the time where people actually realize I'm great? So, there you go. That was probably the most egotistical you'll ever hear me talk, but... There you go. So, unless something changes, don't expect me on radio. Uh, like I said, I'm going to talk to iHeart. I'm going to talk and say, hey, look, uh, the, the me getting released from it was crap. Please hire me on. I will do great things. But, of course, this episode is probably going to use against me, and everyone thinks I'm just an inconsiderate jerk that only cares for himself. Well, someone's got to care for me might as well be me that'll do it 250 episodes woo i guess that's my celebration and now oh, again if i'm not on radio then i'll probably just keep doing my podcast i will say in two weeks now 
Greater Miami Valley Wrestling Association's holiday tournament is back at Vandalia Butler. Tuesday, 27th, Wednesday, 28th, and I believe doors open for fans at 10. So come on out. It's a lot of great wrestling, and it's one of my favorite events to announce. Do have to thank ESP Media for keeping me on and making me the voice of St. Xavier Hockey for all the home games. Unfortunately, at Sports Plus, we're in the Canadian rink, and if you know your two rinks there, the USA rink has a beautiful table with Ethernet that is faster than... Speedy Gonzalez and the Roadrunner uh, tangled up together and given, I don't know, fastening pills. Well, fast, fast pills. Yeah, sure. You know what I'm talking about. Um, the Canadian rink has no such thing. And the Ethernet cord doesn't work there. So it's all tape delayed, which, you know, I'll still share on Twitter for those that care. It's not the Lee W. Mowen. I'm on a couple of new platforms. I'll probably share those. But again, who really cares? So, with that depressing note out of the way, and me, you know, probably burning every single bridge I have left, you know, my one bridge out of one, that'll do it. Thank you for sticking around, listening to this podcast. It's been great talking Sunday sports and what's going to happen with the shows on 980. Well, if I'm not part of it, I don't really care, to be honest with you. Me being forced out that way was a jerk move and was crap considering the fact what I put into the shows. But whatever, you know, if you're angry that I'm saying this on my podcast, then come talk to me. Unlike what you did with me just being removed from the show full stop. Okay. Good to have this talk. Here's for more podcast episodes. I don't know when they'll happen. It'll probably be another five months before I upload one. I'll be honest. It took me about five days to get my butt down the seat and record. But it's about the local sports. It's not about me. That's what I go by. See you next time. If I don't talk to you by the end of the month, happy new year. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah. And if I miss any holidays, happy holidays, happy holidays. It's Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas. It's Christmas. Uh, Merry Chrysler. It, Merry Crisis. And I totally butchered that reference wrong, but I don't really care. Talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. Be sure to bookmark Cindaypod.com, spelled C-I-N-D-A-Y-P-O-D the official website of the podcast. You can find your favorite ways of listening to the local Sunday sports podcast, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon Music, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. You can also purchase merchandise from Tee Public and Redbubble to help support the podcast. Follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SundayPod and the host at The Lee W. Mowen. The closing theme is Cosmopolitan from Pecan Pie on Upbeat. This is Lee W. Mowen signing off another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Thank you for your continued listenership and join me on the next episode.